0: Everyone, welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. Guess who I am? Guess who I'm talking with right now?
1: It's Perry know. and Haley.
0: Oh, you beat me to I was like, I know this answer. I know something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have to worry about pronunciation issues or any. Like, we're safe in this episode so far.
1: I honestly, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing my name right. According to every person I've, like, ever or let me rephrase that, every teacher I've ever had on the first day of class, it is not intuitive. Um,
0: no, that's, I guess that's kind of fair. What, what did you usually get on the first day of class?
1: Holly. Okay. Um, or if they like think I'm way more interesting and exotic than I really am, Halle.
0: <laughs> I almost just spit my coffee all over the computer.
1: No, just another Haley, guys, just one
0: yeah. from the 80s. Um, there's another pronunciation that, that I'm trying to pull from my mind right now, and I can't do it, maybe because I know it's wrong. Hallie. Hallie, that's <laughs> happening. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I don't get any mispronunciations. It's usually just someone trying to swap the first letter of my name or someone asking me if if Perry is short for something
1: oh right yes because I remember the first time you told me that I was like what the hell would it be short for but like I periwinkle. just I
0: yeah periwinkle is the first thing that comes to <laughs> mind it's just like like you know I'm a bad liar I I can't say that with any authority I need to kind of you know build up whatever is necessary to like say that like it's the real thing and try to convince someone that that is my full name periwinkle yeah
1: periwinkle Nemeroff. I will call you that
0: periwinkle <gasps> Perry logan Nemiroff. <laughs>
1: I don't think I ever knew your middle name. Yes. I'm
0: named after um, an X-Men. No, it's not really.
1: <laughs> that is
0: insane. In, uh, in the Jewish Jewish faith, you're supposed to be named after a relative who passed away. So the P, the P first name is for my grandfather. And then the L middle name is uh, for my grandmother's mother on my mom's side.
1: Well, that and that's nice. also
0: Hulani's named
1: after. That's nice. Yeah, mom was a big pet and a tar fan and she named her daughter Haley, I believe. And then she was like, but I'm not going to spell it the same. Not <laughs> quite as meaningful. I kind of like that
0: though. That's really cool.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's, I- all, that's always what people do when they want to
0: take a name from something, but they don't want to be so obvious about it. That's why our dog Wally isn't spelled W-A-L-E-E because that would have been lame. But if I spelled it W-A-L-L-Y, then it's cool.
1: Yeah. I hope this is the horror content you
0: all crave. Yeah. We, we always get the, the most important things out of the way first. Yes. But speaking of horror, genre, we have a lot of news stories to cover, per usual, and then we are going to do a little Loki episode two review for you. So, and I can
1: confirm having Googled it. Pat Benatar's daughter's name is Haley. As soon as I said that on the record, I was like, what if that's not true? <laughs> I do my whole life. How,
0: how does that Haley spell it?
1: Oh, the classic H A L E Y.
0: Okay. Okay. I gotcha.
1: Here's Wished. Yeah. <laughs> or another thing that starts with an H. That's all I got for transitions today. <laughs> um. Yeah. I was desperately looking for it. Well,
0: Here's another H for you. This first story we're going to cover involves a
1: hog. <laughs> eh? Eh? <laughs> are, they, are they the same animal? A hog and a pig? Yeah.
0: I, don't, I, I was just desperately searching for an H word and uh, Ross put the word hog
1: in the headline. So it saved me in a flash. They probably are. That's the like most embarrassing city kid question I've ever asked. If a hog and a pig are the same thing? Yes. I don't know I don't think that's like the silliest question
0: just because there are so many like animal variations like slight okay. variations that you might not think about I, I bet you there's like I, I really truly wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of classification that made something a pig versus a hog
1: there are some classifiers but they are pretty much the same thing okay a hog also means a domestic pig that weighs more than 120 pounds
0: Oh, wait, did you just say a hog is a domestic pig?
1: It often means a domestic pig that weighs more than 120 pounds. So a big motherfucker. Okay. I mean, this
0: this most certainly looks like a hog in this movie. (laughs) Yes, it does. It's called Pig.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We are litigating words today, and I love it.
0: You know what happens on Friday when the two of us get together to talk <laughs> movies. Weird. So this first story we've got for you today is covering the very first trailer for the Nicolas Cage movie, Pig. So this is just a synopsis of the tra- of the trailer. Where is the synopsis of the movie? It's not here. I'm already
1: flailing. Uh, he's neon movie. Steals his pig. It's his prized truffle hunting pig. And he's got to get it back. And he goes, he's in the woods and then he lost his pig.
0: I almost stopped watching the trailer because I was afraid that they were going to John Wick the pig at the beginning of the trailer. Oh, I'm still, I don't feel we're
1: out of the woods on that, but I hope not.
0: I was, I was literally two seconds away from, I mean, I had actually started the process of crafting a Slack message to you saying, yeah, sorry, but I'm not watching it. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I hope that's not the case. Save the pig. Uh, as the famous screenwriting book says. Save the um, I have a question for you. What genre do you think this film is? See, that's why I altered
0: when we were talking about H words, and I led into the news stories, because, like, I think there's probably horror qualities in this, but I don't know. It's like it, a- it's,
1: The trailer doesn't, really tell you it kind of plays like a straight up drama with maybe action horror thriller vibes I don't you know. know what
0: genre it's in oh but this is a, I was about to say something that's not accurate so this is a neon movie but I was about to say it's in the A24 genre where like you have no clue what genre something is but
1: it's dark I get what you mean though and neon does often share that same vibe
0: they definitely have a foot in that world I do I do in general love. Like I know we talk about A24 quite a bit, but Neon is like another very special label that I think many more people need to be paying attention to.
1: I would agree. Their their track record hasn't been quite as consistent as A24, but it's been super good.
0: <laughs> I can't think of a off the top of my head a single bad Neon release that I've seen recently, but maybe that maybe that's just, you know, the nature of seeing a movie that you don't like and forgetting about it. So all I could think about are the neon titles that I really like right now.
1: Yeah, um, and it's not even that I think there's been really bad stuff. I think it's more that I've forgotten a lot of their films. Ah.
0: Um, the but lodge. The lodge comes to mind. So does okay, Little. So lodge one that I didn't love. Oh, oh yeah. All right, I do remember that. But um, well now now because I'm determined to give you some really good well i didn't like in the earth i'm ruining my own argument right now
1: (laughs) i will say and this is very inside baseball but their award screener package is phenomenal and i look forward to it every year and every year i'm like dang these are so many of the best movies this year it
0: is so true there's something this is such inside baseball type conversation (laughs) but I feel like whenever we get award screeners, I'm like so hyped in the moment that I have them, but then eventually it does become clutter to a degree. And, you know, like I'm busy ripping them out of their packets and just putting them in a little book somewhere or something. But my neon ones are, they're like displayed in a prime place in my apartment.
1: They're beautiful. And they are totally a testament to what you're saying because mm-hmm. genuinely every year I'm like, man, these are good movies. Yeah.
0: I'm just scrolling through more. Clemency. You know what else is a neon movie? Colossal
1: love colossal. they've got yeah they're good i'm and you know what i know we've fixated on neon a little bit here we're having a fixating day but um i it genuinely was because rlje releases almost all of nicholas cage's movies i was surprised to see the neon uh logo when i opened that trailer and it's not a dig on rlje because they've released some of his really good films but they released of them and we all know he doesn't make only good films so i am like seeing that logo i kind of gave me a oh shit moment okay
0: not to keep the neon conversation going but i kind of have to because we haven't said one of the most obvious titles that they released
1: portrait of a lady on there?
0: that does count but there's an even more well-known one and it might be a best picture winner oh
1: what is it parasite <laughs> oh come on ouch
0: <laughs> I mean, I did the same thing when I was looking at my uh, my list here and I saw that. But this pig trailer looks interesting. I mean, like any Nicolas Cage movie does. And anytime he's in something, it, it just immediately makes me open to checking it out. But again, I have some, uh, I got some concerns about the fate of this pig and I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. If there's anything too violent in the film, that might be a, a very you know, quick way to get me to switch it off a little too early, but I'm at least going to try.
1: Yeah, for sure. If the hog's happy, Haley's happy. How's that for some H's?
0: That is excellent. You put that on a business card.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what my (laughs) brand is,
0: but it's strong. Um, Uh, For anyone who wants to know, Pig comes out in theaters on July 16th.
1: Oh, that's so soon. Um, I... This to me, and you never know for sure, sometimes trailers are just good, but this does look like it could be one of those special movies that perfectly understands Nicolas Cage's special energy and knows how to use it, and I sure hope so, because that's always such a gift.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, do we want to go to our next one? Yeah. It is a Scream story. So the title of this article is Scream is Completely Finished Production. More specifically, in an Instagram post on Monday night, co-director Tyler Gillette revealed that the sequel to the beloved horror franchise is picture-locked, meaning that the edit of the film is now set as it moves into other stages of post-production. Yay.
1: Yay. I <laughs> mean, like,
0: this means we have to see a trailer
1: fairly soon, right? Or a teaser. Yeah. Yeah. I would think so. I don't know. They've been so secretive about this, though. I don't even know how they're going to play the marketing.
0: I have a lot to say about that, that I'm, I don't think I'm okay saying right now.
1: (laughs) I know what you would
0: say. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're reading my mind, but a little off topic, but within this story, kind of. Just because I saw, I'm, you know, I sit on the YouTube channel all the time and I'm always looking at the comments and I did see one comment calling out Scream already for being, you know, a big pile of garbage because it has a January release. Oh, interesting. That's not true anymore. It's not entirely true. Not entirely true. First of all. I think that the release calendar has been completely upended by the pandemic. I don't think the usual rules will apply for at least another year. But two, even if you want to go back to pre-pandemic, January is a hit and miss month. Mm -hmm. There are prime spots to release movies like, let's say, a horror movie. Also, you might be able to make that assumption about a movie that's like, you know, what's, what's coming to mind? Shit. What's that like? It was Kit Harrington and Julianne Moore's Seventh Son. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Where it was like pushed and pushed and pushed, and then they plopped it down in a January release, release date. That mm-hmm. movie, I think it's fair game to be like, uh oh, that's not a good sign. This movie has been scheduled there for a long time. This is a very hot property for that studio. They selected that release date with purpose. Mm-hmm.
1: I, um, you're absolutely correct. I didn't, oh, my memory is so bad. Didn't Escape Room come out in January? Yes, it did. Huge hit. Yes, it did. Um, and also, as everyone knows here, we love it. But I i mean, they also, not just that theatrical behavior has been upended by the pandemic. If you look at the release calendar this year, it's there's no space for something like that where it'll get to shine in the way it will in January. You put that in September, October. I mean, now the pre-Halloween releases are even getting into August at this point. Um, isn't isn't Candyman in August, for goodness sake? Candyman's at the very just, end of August. There's no room for it where it will get the, the focus of attention it will in January. Yeah, I, th- I think it could be a very smart play. And, 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 <laughs> okay, i have strong feelings about this and i didn't know it but the whole like the original film everybody's like you can't release that at christmas it won't uh, yes yes and then it did so take that random person on the internet and the truth of the matter is you only need one big hit
0: to change that perception about a specific spot on the release calendar let's take the first it movie for example that completely changed the game for genre releases
1: in early september I feel that Get Out kind of did the same for that spring spot for horror. That's, I think that's a very fair point. Yeah, it's really, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, either here or back on Movie Talk back in the day, but we are moving towards a -a 12-month-a-year calendar of there is no dead season.
0: There's, I think there's... I think there's no dead season. And I think that that comment applies to the big screen and also streaming services too.
1: Oh, well, streaming services, gosh, I could go on a tear on that one. But, uh, you know, it depends on the service. The Netflix model is literally at this point, just you're here today, here's something new. (laughs) Movie, 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 movie. Yeah, and that's why they put such a premium now on like showing people what's new. What's popular and now the watch something feature, which will almost always lead you to something new.
0: Mm -hmm. Man, so much content. Wild conversation is stressing me
1: out. It's (laughs) freaking me out to think about how much money they put into making that happen.
0: There's a lot of money. Next story. Mm -hmm. Here's a cool one. I'm gonna let you take this one. North Bend is -hmm. having another festival it's right around the corner and we have the lineup for this festival which is going to be done in a hybrid format so there's going to be stuff in person and stuff done virtually Haley take it away
1: yeah um you tricky tricky devil you know I had to (gasps) oh my god your tabs (laughs) aren't okay I can't I can pick it up if you want that's okay let me just let me bring it back up my computer and or wi-fi is not great I
0: can at least list. I can at least connect the dots between one specific witching hour episode and North Bend yeah, you because can. Carlson Young's The Blazing World is going to be closing the festival then there's also a movie opening it that I'm just dying to see it's Swan Song with Udo Kier and I've only heard the best things about that movie
1: oh, that's exciting to hear um yeah, and obviously, like, the the star of this lineup, you could say, like, the real standout is a little podcast known as The Witching Hour. Yeah, I, I didn't want to be obnoxious about it, but I'm glad you <laughs> stated it that way, because it's true. I, I am inspired by Michael Chave's absolute relentless self, like, pumping up and promotion. Now, I've, I've never seen anything <laughs> like that, um, but yes we will we will be appearing there uh I obviously jest about our importance but we are pretty cool if you ask me they've got always one of my you know I've sung the praises of this film festival a lot on here I I really love it it's a newer fest and they've done such a cool job and an impressive not cool impressive job of carving out of space for a genre fest that isn't easy to label this is a fest with a vibe not like a theme so much it's not like you know brooklyn horror fest that tells you exactly what it is um this is like more built out of the location where it was started in north bend which is where they shot twin peaks and so it's kind of it's not like things like twin peaks but it's it's aimed on that surreal uh sort of artsy otherworldly energy is what you'll see bizarre yeah i really love it and i'm so impressed by the team over there and i'm not just saying that because like i like them as people there's uh, many things that i picture
0: when i uh think about our time at north bend but the thing that i could picture with the most detail is the restaurant we ate at pretty much every day (laughs) we did a lot of work there (laughs) spent a whole lot of money there and every penny was very well spent
1: isn't it something like the north bend foreign grill
0: because something of- like it was like a very very basic name but like I can picture the interior and the beer menu with uh like too much specificity
1: stunning beer menu. Uh, but yeah so they've got a lot of really cool films it seems but part of what I like about North Bend is most of the time I don't know what a lot of the movies are so you get totally surprised um and why is my internet so bad For anyone who
0: might want to participate in this festival and see some movies, it's running from July 15th to July 18th.
1: Yes, and uh, it is a tricky one. I'm just going to close the window. It's not working out for me. If you want to know which exact movies are going to be there, you can visit Collider.com where we have a write-up. And I would also encourage people who are curious about attending virtually or in person, honestly, uh, check the listing because most of the movies they're playing in person are not being played virtually and vice versa so you want oh. to make sure that you can see the you know the films you want to see with your preferred means of attendance they're also doing a uh, 20th anniversary shoot me how is that possible of donnie darko mm-hmm. and a conversation with the filmmaker richard kelly right I mm-hmm. um hosted by April wolf wolf so that should be pretty engaging our our oh my brain I hate that my internet is not working I rely on notes and facts in front of my face uh but the the mats will be there with their podcast which is certified forgotten forgotten not rotten yes that's where I always get hung up um so there's all kinds of good stuff good stuff
0: I feel like they've said certified rotten to me before. Maybe I'm just thinking about what the nature of their podcast is.
1: I think that that was a former thing. It worked because now it's movies that have less than so many reviews. And I think it used to be films that were rotten
0: because that like, I know it's certified forgotten, but
1: that also certified rotten rings a pretty loud bell. Yeah, I feel like we could definitely clear this up with, with the text. Anyway, uh, North Bend, very cool. So happy to be there again. Love the fest. Check it out. Uh, it is geo-locked to the Pacific Northwest, so that will probably block out a lot of listeners, but that's pretty hard for the course with a lot of film festivals that are more regionally focused, like uh, Fantasia operates similarly. It's geo-locked to Canada.
0: hmm gotcha. All good facts to know. hmm Next story here, Mm -hmm. we've got an update on the new Orphan movie, Orphan (laughs) First Kill. So I believe this comes from a Jeff Snyder interview, if I'm correct. Mm -hmm. In a recent interview with Collider, Orphan First Kill star Isabel Furman said that people will be shocked by the horror prequel, in which she claims to make movie history as the first adult actress to reprise a leading role that she first played as a child interesting interesting
1: yeah so i have spent so long trying to like just debunk that because it just doesn't sound like it could possibly be true I, but i have not found another one wait, let
0: me see how she she phrased it one more time claim movie history the first adult actress to reprise a leading role that she first played as a that's like what what well what classifies as a child because the first example that comes to mind is Ralph Macchio and William Zapka were kids when Karate Kid came out, and now they're playing those roles again. Actress. Okay, fine.
1: You're missing there. There's actually, uh, I found like several dudes. Actress. And
0: all right. All the- well, then, then I'll go back to Cobra
1: Kai and say Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. You, you didn't listen to my second thought. Damn it. In TV, I think she's talking about film like all these people coming back to their roles because there's like Fuller House that would be an example but it's too huge.
0: Shit now I don't want to talk about the rest of our stories and I just want to solve this puzzle that I know there's an answer to. There's an answer.
1: There has to be but honestly like I definitely did some research for like longer than I should. Can we go back to Scream? Does like as a teenager a child how old was the cast of Scream? I think they were all adults. Like, they were playing teenagers, but I'm pretty sure they were in their 20s. I'm going to think of something, I swear. It's going to drive you crazy, like, it's been driving me crazy. And I will be so relieved if you or a listener thinks of one that can, like, free my brain.
0: Um. How about, uh, no, it's. I was going to say Tim and Lex from uh, Jurassic, but they, I mean, they played the roles twice as kids. They haven't really come back to the franchise. Yeah boo it
1: it sounds like it can't be true but I think it might be um anyway uh what did we did you actually did you read her quotes yet or did we oh no I got totally (laughs) distracted by this
0: so Furman promised that Orphan First Kill is definitely not what I think most people will expect, which I think is really exciting and what really drew me to even coming back to play that role. And also what I think is most exciting about it is it's something that's never been done cinematically. There's never been an adult actress who reprised a role she played as a child. And that was exceptionally difficult and really fun to do because when I was a kid and I played Esther, I was I was constantly playing a 33-year-old hiding herself as a kid while I was also 10 and this time it was like here's a little weight off my shoulders since I just have to pretend I'm 10 because I'm already an adult
1: <laughs> I'm not sure that that's easier in reverse I feel like kids are better at m- like mimicking adults than adults are better at going back to childhood
0: you know what I, I that was actually on my mind just earlier today because I might have watched it again but I I, I re Black Widow already And it was making me think about how good Florence Pugh was in Little Women playing Amy as she aged. Because, you know, at the at the uh, younger portions of the film, she's like, you know, extremely childish and immature. And she plays into that in a very, I think, a very authentic way.
1: Yeah, she's well, she's amazing. Yeah, Um, I will just I know you haven't watched it yet, but I will say I had the same thought watching Cruel Summer this week. That takes place over three different years and the the work of the two lead actresses in translating the timeline through where they're at in their performance i think is really incredible
0: sorry i just had like a brain fart because i started to think about the other question again oh
1: that's okay <laughs> um, it's a good show i would recommend it for someone looking for a binge watch it just wrapped up this week and everybody was talking about the finale so i was like fine i'll see what this is about and i started it and then way faster than i'd like to admit i also finished it and it is on hulu and bingeable now have they renewed it yes okay like, day before the finale or something it's the most watched free form show ever so. well well yeah. All right.
0: that gives me a little more urgency to actually give it a watch
1: yeah it's a good one but yeah the acting is so tremendous anyway i'm really curious uh to see how the heck this movie works as the prequel. And I I remember it was your ladies' night with Julia Styles, right? Where she yeah. said, like she doesn't like I'm paraphrasing obviously, but she said she basically doesn't give a fuck about horror, didn't want to yes. do it, and she loved the script so much.
0: It's incredibly psychological. I'm not really interested in blood and gore. I find it gross, but I don't find it really scary. What I find scary is the stuff that happens up here, you know, pointing to her head, and then uh you know, she compared, I believe she compared this character to Norman Bates in terms of why she finds that kind of story appealing.
1: Intriguing, very intriguing. Anytime someone's like, I don't really love horror, but then I read the script and I had to do it. Yeah. That's a good sign.
0: I, yep. I'll get behind that. Um, David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick wrote it. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see if he could have I mean, because uh, Conjuring's a pretty big success, right? Mm-hmm. Conjuring 3. So is he going to keep it up?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But I'm very curious. And I uh, I appreciate that this, this young actress was able to ruin my week with an unsolvable question. Above all, I just want to make sure everyone leaves this episode as fixated as I am on this.
0: I mean, I'm just uh, sorry. I'm just looking at his uh, his filmography, and it's like you know, like Red Riding Hood. Oops. Mm. <laughs> Wrath of the Titans. Oops. But mm. then he did The Conjuring too. He wrote. He wrote Aquaman. He's also uh, a screenwriter on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I mean, he's he's got some good franchises here.
1: That's true. We'll see how that lays into a weird sequel, prequel, psychological thriller. I am
0: very much up for giving him a shot with this. I'm curious to see how it turns out. Next story. Mm-hmm. All right. I am reading from Fangoria here because a friend of the show is making a movie. Actually, they phrase it this way. We're honored to exclusively announce that friend of Fango, Jonathan Barkan, is creating and directing a documentary about the positive effects horror can have on mental health obviously a subject near and dear to Fangoria's heart with all the talent involved in this project and with such a beautiful mission statement we have no doubt that mental health and horror a documentary will be something very special indeed um like based on how what I know of Jonathan Barkan like it it leaves me with absolutely no doubt whatsoever that this movie is going to be filled with like great heart and purpose and I can't wait to see what he does
1: yes there's a reason why both introduced him as a friend like he's one of the friendliest most yes spirited heartfelt people I've ever met and he's so passionate about both of these topics I'm very excited to see it and I think it's a super worthwhile topic I mean to a certain extent public opinion has turned around on horror over i would say like the last decade or so it's taken a lot more seriously now we still have the dumb elevated horror conversation Mm -hmm. like i definitely don't think it's respected for the catharsis it offers as much Mm -hmm. as it should be
0: yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping that this documentary winds up shedding some light on that and just uh increasing that conversation a bit more because i feel i feel like we have it every once in a while when we see a movie that really applies but i don't know then that elevated horror conversation comes in and it feels like uh dissecting it like a documentary might maybe will rival that very uh that very quick label many throw onto movies that dig into some deeper issues
1: Mm -hmm. well it's like wow i don't need to get into this rant but like it often happens that when a film is deeper or more philosophical, people will try to say that it's not horror because it doesn't fit their idea of what horror is. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how wide of a net they cast with this documentary in terms of like, what is considered horror and which films they touch mm-hmm. on. Even if they are sticking to like more traditional concepts of like ghosts, slashers, etc. cetera. Um, I I mean, honestly, there's a part of that that could be even stronger because it's saying that even these ones that are very much often written off genres are important to people. Just to
0: give a clearer sense of what I think you might be asking about, it might be worth reading one of these quotes here. Um, executive producer Alice Collins said... As someone with a family history of mental illness, as well as my own personal struggles, destigmatizing not only mental illness, but the horror genre as a tool for healing is a subject very close to my heart. Horror has given me the gift of facing my traumas in a controlled environment where I can feel safe. Without fail, it has always been the horror genre that's brought me back from the brink and been a place where I find my comfort and strength. Good quote. Yeah, there's there's more than one good quote in this article here but I I won't, I won't read everything too. I'll just tell you guys to go on over to Fangoria and read a little bit more about it.
1: I can actually co-sign that I went through this and was like, this is a very well-written press release.
0: I know. I was busy thinking about that
1: (laughs) right now.
0: I feel, I feel like some other, uh, some other team should be taking notes because these, because you know, like we've, we've read more than enough press releases over the years and you can always tell when it's like this is a bad descriptor when it's like press releasey language, when it's like purely a sentence, purely constructed to promote a movie a certain way versus something that comes from a true place of passion and from the heart and feels, you know, genuine and real and not like a device.
1: And again, not especially surprising considering who's involved with this. Uh, Barkon and uh, BJ as well. Mm-hmm. BJ Colin Gerald Jello. Great. Writers, uh, Jonathan is now at the horror collective, but he for many, many years was a, a horror writer in, in our minds. I don't even what am I saying? <laughs> um mining horror.
0: I met BJ for the first time playing Among Us the other night. <laughs> oh, nice. It was a very a stressful evening for me. I'm terrible at that game.
1: I have still somehow managed not to play it.
0: I mean, now that you said it, I'm going to push Matt to make sure you're on the list the next time we play. But I'll tell you, that game really reveals people's true colors oh, and sorry. how, how deceptive can they can be. And you know, like, I can't lie for shit. So I'm just like built to be awful at something like that.
1: I could probably, I don't know. I don't know if I would enjoy it. It might stress me out, but I'll <laughs> try. I'll give it a try for you, Perry.
0: Thanks. I enjoy it but it stresses me out too and obviously Donato is really good at it (laughs) because obviously (laughs) Um, we have one more story to hit before we roll into a Loki review Um, it is a tweet from Mike it's from Mike Flanagan I sigh because there's a whole bunch of names that I'm not going to pronounce properly honored to announce the other filmmakers helming episodes of the Midnight Club Emmanuel Osei Kufor, Axel, Carolyn. Uh, I'm all right. I'm just gonna stop and tell everybody to go read all these wonderful names. Or if Haley wants to read them off, you are more than welcome to.
1: Oh, you know, I had to close all my tabs. Shucks. You know how good I am at names. Excuses, excuses. Um, let me get it. Like way too long at the start of this episode, saying that my name's been mispronounced my whole life. Do you know?
0: You know what else I've been very guilty of lately? And I find it very frustrating and I can't figure out how to fix it. Sometimes when I, when I, I mean, always when I'm conducting an interview and I'm not sure of a pronunciation, I'll obviously like, I will research the shit out of it. Like I'll watch a million interviews and I will say it out loud, like a hundred times before I do it. But sometimes it's like, if you ever heard something pronounced another way, it's bound to creep in.
1: Oh yeah, happens to me all the time.
0: So I'll just, I'll reveal this. I'll reveal this now so you can laugh at me when you watch the episode. But I just had, I just had Eliza Schlesinger on the show on Ladies Night for Good on Paper, which is actually, not going to say anything. Uh, Embargo, I was going to say something nice. Um, But I had her on Ladies Night and for whatever reason, like I know her last name is pronounced Schlesinger. Mm -hmm. but when I say her name in full I want to be Elijah Schlesinger Mm. (laughs) like do you hear what I'm doing and I can't stop doing it like my Mm -hmm. like my mouth and my voice can't say it correctly when I say both names like what's wrong with me
1: I just it happens man (laughs) I it's a there's a lot of sounds happening in that name a lot of s sounds uh so I or I guess Eliza's a z sound I don't know but i get it i'm a terrible speaker so i'm never going to be the one judging you for that but i did the reason um i mostly wanted to highlight this tweet uh, because i'm not as familiar with the other filmmakers but axel carolyn directed the phenomenal uh, romance of certain old clothes episode in the haunting of blind manor so mm-hmm very excited to see her reteaming with Flanagan.
0: Yes. Um, I was just pulling up an article just in case any of you don't know what this is. It is, I believe another Netflix project, Netflix. I think so. I'm not seeing it in this article. So I'm afraid to say that out loud. Actually,
1: I'm not sure because he's, yes. working. um, Hmm. I don't know. I I've, really wish i could google right now and that i would still be able to sustain this call. yes it, it, this
0: one is netflix as well okay because he wanted to be a hundred
1: percent sure about that midnight Society. i don't know Well, oh, midnight
0: other- midnight society is are you afraid of the dark this is midnight club
1: yeah but isn't he working on something else with midnight in the title or something similar
0: um uh, midnight mass
1: there we go yeah, that's, that's the I other mean.
0: one. Um, but just in case you don't know what this is, The Midnight Club is based on the book of the same name by Christopher Pike. The book follows a group of teenagers in a home for terminally ill patients who get together every day at midnight to share scary stories. The group also makes a pact that the first of them to die is bound to contact the others from the beyond, which of course brings around some spooky consequences. I'm I'm, I'm for this.
1: I really, you know, I'm not... gonna say that netflix is always nailing it lately uh probably a part of that releasing something new every freaking day is Mm -hmm. is at work there but i have genuinely pretty consistently been impressed by their horror shows
0: i'm trying to think if i don't like anything that they've released that i've watched recently horror wise and i'm coming up a little empty again
1: probably because those things aren't memorable and i've pushed them out of my brain (laughs) I don't love everything, but even um, so I just watched the second season of Black Summer. which I want to watch it today, I think. Um, And it's a show that like, I I think we were on the same page with the first season. It's not perfect, but it's really interesting. Uh, Even when things don't totally work for me, like Black Summer doesn't 100% work for me. Fuck, it's depressing. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: even when they don't 100% work, I think they're doing really interesting things with genre.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i couldn't agree more um is it time for loki yeah let's do a little loki all right so this is the time where we say goodbye to any of you out there who have not watched the second episode of loki we will be talking spoilers this entire conversation so save the rest of this podcast for later if you haven't seen it because this is your one and only spoiler warning loki episode two what'd you think
1: (laughs) Uh, I like it. I, I still like the show. I don't love it as much as I loved the first episode because I think it is a bit more traditional and a bit more, I just, there's something really creative about the world building. In the world. Oh,
0: I might've opened the episode. I've muted it now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like it. I like it. Not as much. It does feel more typical MCU-ish in this episode which leads into my thing last week about, like, I don't want to get my hopes up too high about this series, but it's still taking swings, and I gotta say, that, like, final moment made me very curious what's going to happen now.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm kind of in line with you. I don't really think this went, you know, full traditional MCU. I mean, maybe you could say that because there are a couple of more uh, you know, action set pieces, I guess, but... Feel like this episode I, I do i do agree in that the first episode is better but i often feel that way about you know the original movie in a series or the first episode in a tv show let's say that is constructing a, br- a brand new world for you to play in so i was always going to gravitate more towards that because i also think the world building in that episode is just exceptionally well done but anyway i love this episode because it takes a lot of those ideas a step further in particular just like
1: how fucked up it is in this world that no one has free will. It's just devastating. I, it's- I hope that they devastate me all season long because it is so weird to feel this upset about, like, this emotionally, existentially upset about a Loki series. See,
0: I'm I'm caught in the middle on being devastated by the concept because the thought of what loki is going through and that there's nothing he could do about you know what's what's going to happen to him in the future is it's heartbreaking to think about that but the way owen wilson's mobius explains you know where he finds you know Purpose and fulfillment in life. There, there's something like warm and sensitive and comforting about just the way he expresses it. And then also, there, there's that one line where he says, "like it, it's something to the effect of, it's not as simple as just there not being any free will."
1: Hmm. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I need more context because, like, well, it, that's the next step. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't believe anyone at the TVA, so I get no comfort from him.
0: <laughs> so I rewatched the second episode with that in mind. I have a very hard time not believing Mobius. I feel like this co- that, that comment's going to come back to get me eventually, but there's too many things that he says to Loki that just feel so earnest and I don't understand why he would say certain things that way if ultimately he is revealed to be the big bad kind of thing you know what I mean
1: yeah I actually don't think well he might be just because Owen Wilson would be such good casting for that kind of turn but um I think it's more than I I believe that the institution is probably evil not that the people inside of it are but that said they are created by and a product of that institution and therefore i don't believe anything they say i mean that's that's fair i'm not
0: trying to celebrate the idea of living life with no free will or defending the timekeepers but there is some sense in the idea of keeping the timeline in order
1: sure I think that it's a really hard line to draw because isn't that essentially what Loki was trying to do in the Avengers? He was saying, just do what I tell you and you'll be happier. You know, Neil, human beings just want decisions made for them.
0: There's another, there's another line I'm thinking about that I can't say right now. Like I'm bursting right now to say it, but I'm not going to. Remind me to come back to that at a later date. Okay. Um, yeah this this episode though just made me more obsessed with uh, more obsessed with TVA live Here's a here's another question because like you're more familiar with the comics than I am. When the timekeepers create the TVA employees, is it like poof you're here, you're this age, and you're this age for forever? Or are they are they born into the world as, you know, babies, and then they grow up to become a Mobius?
1: I honestly don't remember right now, but I wouldn't even presume that that would apply to the show if it were true in the comics. Um, the MCU has consistently reinvented what they need okay. to for their properties, but uh, I that's such an interesting question because what how would an immortal whatever they are (laughs) age
0: so you you just called them immortal so they're immortal
1: well I guess it depends on your definition of the word they might I'm I mean I think you can like kill them maybe I don't even but they they can the the, the the variant's been killing them Yes, so it's more that I'm trying to think of how the the writer and the director phrased it in our interviews with them. But basically, they have existed for all of time since the timekeepers did whatever they're doing. They have just existed, uh, and that's why it's so impossible to say how old they are.
0: Hmm. I'm like gonna
1: lay awake at night thinking about this. Um, yeah. So that's what I meant more about, I guess that immortal is not the right word. What is the word for something that's just always existed, but can be killed?
0: Oh,
1: um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Not prepared uh, for questions this difficult on a Friday. I'm not prepared for anything, but here we are. Yep. Yeah. It was so my, real point of intrigue is I guess we haven't even mentioned Lady Loki I just don't find it to be that big of a deal that's definitely in the comics and Mm -hmm. that sure yeah of course that would happen eventually great Uh, we'll see what she's got wait can
0: I ask you more questions about that mm -hmm. so is it, it lady Loki is a variation of the Loki that we know that like see that's another thing that I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around because you know how we see they, they you know scroll through all those different versions of Loki. But yeah. if there's only one sacred timeline, how could Loki look any different? Like if, Loki always, to- like if Loki always had to step off the sacred timeline to create a bear, a, bear, uh, a Nexus event, Wouldn't it still be the same
1: Loki? So no. And I think this is, or maybe no, I don't have firm answers because I don't know what the hell these writers are going to do. But uh, this is what I had to stop myself from referencing last week when we were debating uh, if there are multiple timelines in the sacred timeline. Yeah. This is why I said, yes, I believe that they are, but they all have to go a certain way to prevent the multiversal war.
0: I get it. So it's like these, there are multiple timelines, but they're all running parallel to each other. Kind of, yeah. So by the end of this series, the timekeepers are 100% going down and these timelines are merging and then we'll get the rest of the MCU.
1: That has to be what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, how do you even, that's why I'm so intrigued by the final moments more than the Lady Loki reveal. Is Like, okay, yeah, yeah. That probably was going to happen always eventually but what the heck is what she just did? Like, are they like doing it now this early in the series run, like bringing the whole collapse in? I'm very curious. How do you get back from that?
0: That's definitely what they seem to be doing. I mean, based on the rules established thus far, I don't think they can contain something like that.
1: Yeah, I'm very intrigued. That feels so like just foot on the accelerator storytelling and I'm not complaining about it. I am a little shocked though.
0: I'm sh- I guess I'm shocked.
1: I'm not that shocked because, remember, aren't aren't we only getting six episodes? Yeah, but think about how long it took WandaVision to do anything.
0: Well, like, exactly. So they're doing something very early on. That's
1: what I mean. That's why I'm surprised. Different format, though. Those episodes are yeah. way shorter. Totally. And it's a different show. But I, I guess I just... Yeah, I wasn't prepared for this series to come out be like, here are the new rules of the MCU. Everything you thought you knew is dumb and not right, and Infinity Stones aren't worth shit. And also, here's your new timeline. I mean, it's not that they're not worth shit. It's just like they're worthless de- depending on where they
0: are. Yeah. Like, they once they're, they're, they're brought back, back into their their timeline, mm-hmm.
1: they're just as powerful. Obviously, they're not worth shit. He they, they, <laughs> did a lot of damage with them but what i'm saying is they were previously perceived as like the ultimate power and now we see that they're not. Mhm. That is true. Yeah. I will so add do don't have thoughts about this episode? I have a shit ton of questions. Yeah. I have I have one
0: more comment or thing i wanted to highlight was how, how much i love how they're playing with you know who Loki's been and what it means to have a whole bunch of people around him who are very well aware of what he's capable of.
1: Hmm. It
0: almost, like it, it's forcing him outside the Loki box, but it still has me questioning, which is it's a, like a very interesting situation to be in that they can still create so much suspense with a character that we've seen make very similar moves. Moby is flat out says, you've stabbed you know, X amount of people in the back. Hmm like we we know exactly what he's going to do at all times but like especially in that moment in that moment when he's there with lady loki and he's like particularly the shot when he's like just standing there deciding whether to go through that door mm-hmm. i don't know the way the way that they can display the wheels in his head turning that feels so attached to who loki was before but it still leaves me curious about what he's really thinking and who he's really um who he's really supporting in this whole effort just has me fascinated. Like he's still playing his games with me.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up because it was a per- fairly uh, pervasive sentiment after the first episode that by showing him like his whole file, they had basically jump skipped him ahead to the same place that he was in end game. And I am unconvinced that that's true. I don't, I mean, we'll see, but I don't feel that it's certain at all that this is now like the quote-unquote good guy Loki that we had in Endgame. Oh, no.
0: I I mean, that's just, that's not possible. That's not how people work. I mean, it's not just about, I mean, I feel like there's been movies about this, or it's like, if you want to play that game... know what would you do if you knew how your life ended or knew your future that doesn't necessarily mean that you would behave the same way as the person who had experienced all of that before leading up to that before getting to that moment you know what i mean but he doesn't have any of the experience
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm in i'm very again i just have questions but i am very intrigued by who this uh loki turns out to be and where he falls on loki's very very wide moral spectrum um, and I hope maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe they are just jump skipping him several films ahead, back to the same place. But I just I don't see that from what we've seen so far at all. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't really see that. I don't really see that either. And I think that's I think that's part of the reason why there's just so much potential with this character. Like I think they'd be shortchanging themselves if that were the case.
1: I do think. I mean, it's not confirmed, and I don't know anything. Richard E. Grant has to be playing another Loki right it seems possible to me I mean how could you cast that man and not make him a Loki I mean
0: I feel like we should revisit that next week when we see where they wind up
1: yeah that's true I feel
0: like the second they step like let's say they step into a new timeline I might have other ideas
1: yeah maybe I don't know. I just whatever they're gonna do with him, he's gonna be amazing because it's Richard E. Grant. But I just you see that man smile, and you feel like he has to be now that they they're introducing variants. Well, that makes
0: sense. Richard E. Grant is one of the best of the best. I'm so excited to see whatever he does in the series. Same.
1: All right, wrap this up. I gotta gotta All right. do out of here. The less fun work now. I'm sorry. I feel you
0: though. Uh, Before we go, is there anything you would like to shout out that you've been working on?
1: Uh, Goodness gracious me. Is there? Is there? Well, I kind of just while I was watching Black Summer randomly wrote up shows that you might like if you like Black Summer. So that I think I'll be posting next week. You want to look out for that?
0: is a useful list that i might use myself after i watch black summer
1: you've probably seen them all but yeah maybe
0: i know there's always something
1: there's always something have you seen jericho i've not seen jericho it's a good show but it, it's like old school network yeah. episodes
0: i i very much remember it um guess what i'm gonna shout out mm. ladies night yes it could be ladies night I think I, I think we were, did we record when my two most recent episodes were up though? I think we
1: might've, I think we did.
0: All right. So I'll just redirect people to Hannah Waddingham and Leslie Grace, Hannah Waddingham for Ted Lasso, Leslie Grace for In the Heights. And then the next one, the next one is Jordana Brewster for F9. And you also know what that means. It's not just Fast and Furious talk. I also grill her on the faculty, the faculty Debs
1: and her Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie beautiful cannot wait those are like three things that are very in my interest zone
0: is it not generally accepted that that texas chainsaw massacre movie is the second best movie of the franchise or is that how like the majority feel
1: what an interesting question (laughs) no i would say that is not generally accepted but i would say that film is thought of as being better than it gets credit for
0: okay i very it's it's my second favorite
1: (laughs) Well, but I feel like people can verify that on your ranking, right? They
0: can. They
1: Rankin.
0: can. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's there on that ranking that I made what, six years, five years? How long ago was that? I think mm-hmm. we had this conversation.
1: Different people, another life.
0: Yes, another life. But that that uh ranking still holds true for me. All right. That's it. We're out of here. You've officially survived the witching hour.